Australia Explained, keeping you on top of all things down under. In this episode of Australia Explained, we break down the religious discrimination bill, what it is, what's the controversy around it, and why it's so important. Hello everyone, my name is Tanya Ragusa. And I'm Vanessa Di Grazia. And welcome back to what seems like a very long-awaited episode of Australia Explained. <laughs> yes, welcome. Um, just to start, I'm recording on Yagarabal land today. Tanya, you're on Rwandri? Yeah, as per usual. Mm-hmm. And yes, we are back. We took a little bit of an unplanned hiatus because sometimes life just gets in the way. <laughs> yeah, unexpected um, hiatus. And I think you you summed it up perfectly. Life gets in the way. We are just two people behind this podcast there. I mean, we've got Liam. He helps out with our sound. But in terms of, you know, writing the episodes, researching, scripting, um, any output, socials, it's just two people. And I think everyone knows by now that this isn't our primary source of income. We have other jobs. We have other careers. Um, and so sometimes we have a long list of priorities and the podcast just has to fall down that sometimes. So we are back. I'm glad we're back. I feel like I needed this sense of normality back in my life again. And sitting here recording with you feels very familiar and very nice. Yeah, so for sure. I'm glad we're back. Um, and I hope we didn't scare anyone too much because I had a few people asking me, like, have you stopped the podcast? No, we haven't stopped. We haven't stopped. No, but that's the great we've... thing about doing it together as well because we really want to keep it enjoyable for us too. So we were feeling burnt out. We were really busy. Um, and to keep the passion alive, it has to be manageable. So we're back. We're ready. We're excited. Let's do yeah. it. <laughs> and, like, major life events have been happening. Like, you packed up your entire life and moved into state, which is not an easy move. No. <laughs> I've you know, restarted the school year as a teacher and anyone who know, anyone who works in education knows that term one is just a blur and it happens so quickly and you don't really get a break until the school holidays. So, you know, just things happening, but we're back. It's we're back. fine now. <laughs> <laughs> and today we're chatting about the religious discrimination bill that's probably been on your news feeds across the past month or two. Yeah, if you're not paying close attention to this, you might have also vaguely seen some more commentary about LGBT plus rights, particularly trans rights for kids. I know that's how I jumped onto that this was happening in the media. So if you've seen anything about a bill, religious discrimination, trans rights, this episode's going to be of interest to you. Yeah, and we're going to tie all those things together and how it links back to this um, religious discrimination bill and how it includes LGBTQ rights. Yeah, we actually realised that LGBT plus rights uh, is actually not a topic that we've discussed on the podcast before, which is strange because we talk a lot about a lot of advocacy and social issues. Um, but I was thinking it's largely disappeared from the social discourse for the past two years. You know, it used to be this big controversial issue and it kind of fell off the scale and, and now apparently it's back. It's controversial again. So <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Well, I was just about to say that the fact that it's probably gone off our radar means that it's become a normal part of society, which I was like, whoa, great, yeah, you know. Awesome. Um, but yes, it does still spark a bit of heated debate. So we're going to explore that today and get into it. Okay, so my most basic question to ask here is what is 
the background behind the Religious Discrimination Bill and how did it come about? Yeah, so to understand the Religious Discrimination Bill, we need to go back to 2017, which feels like a lifetime ago. I think it's like 2017 BC, before COVID. Yes, we we named that a few episodes ago. We said BC. It's BC. It's a different period. Um, But back to 2017, you might remember that the Australian government introduced a plebiscite regarding same-sex marriage laws in Australia. And this was actually one of the first things that you and I were able to vote in, and we were really proud to do so. Yeah, and... The plebiscite was basically a national opinion poll asking Australians whether they think same-sex couples should have the right to get legally married. We want to note, though, that referendums and plebiscites are slightly different. Referendums refer to changing laws that are in the Australian Constitution, and they are required a formal vote. So whatever the outcome of the referendum is, that will automatically enact a change in the laws. A plebiscite is slightly different because it focuses on things that are not found in the constitution that may not hold as much weight in terms of legality. So a plebiscite is more like an opinion poll to see how the public is feeling, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the laws will change. Um, It does not hold any legal force like a referendum vote, which also means that usually with a referendum, there's a lot of public opinion floating around um, and discourse in the public. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the legal lesson, miss. So no back to 2017, um, as many of you would know, the plebiscite found that the majority of Australians, which was around 61% of voters, agreed that same-sex couples should be legally allowed to marry. And I think it's one of those really defining moments in Australian history where I remember exactly where I was when I found that out. Yeah, yeah which yep. is really awesome. Um, and afterwards, a bill was drafted to change the marriage laws and it was formally passed in Parliament on December 7th, 2017, And same-sex couples have been getting married ever since, which is great. Ooh, yeah. Of course, though, like I said, any political debate or changes in the law will gather a range of public opinions. And during the time of the plebiscite, there was some concern regarding the implications for religious groups because there was clearly going to be a conflict between some of the beliefs of these religious groups and the new marriage laws. We have to remember when we discuss this issue, that discrimination laws go both ways in this scenario. You cannot discriminate against someone due to their sexual orientation, but you also cannot discriminate against someone due to their religious, spiritual or personal beliefs. So people, institutions, workplaces, schools, anywhere in Australia, all these people still have the right to act freely and openly practice their religion. So at this point, In time, the major question was, how can we keep everyone happy and ensure that no one person, group or institution is pressured by these laws? Mm. And the government at the time, which was under Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull, decided to hold a review about the topic of religious freedom in Australia and what it means to freely practice a religion. And when the review was complete in 2018, by this point, ScoMo had taken over, who is an openly devout Catholic man, and drafted a series of bills to protect religious freedom in Australia. And it's at this point where we get the religious discrimination bill we've been hearing so much about. Um, it's been drafted multiple times, like all bills generally are, and has included a consultative approach with public figures. Yes, so they consult with people, they get public opinion, et cetera, et cetera. 
The initial draft of the Religious Discrimination Bill included these major points. Please note that I cannot touch on everything, but the major speaking points are that the bill will protect against discrimination on the basis of religious belief or activity, and this includes any beliefs or activities that are enacted in the workplace, schools, sport, clubs, and a wide range of settings for all the religions. It also protects atheists or agnostic people who have certain beliefs towards other religions. Yes, so it's not just people who are religious being discriminated against, it's also people who are not religious, vice versa, do these non-religious people say discriminatory things against people who are religious. Mm -hmm. It goes both ways, right? Thirdly, a person cannot be found to have discriminated against a person for merely expressing their genuinely held religious beliefs. So this could include, for example, stating a biblical view about marriage or an atheist view on prayer. Like I said, it goes back and forth between non-religious and religious people. Mm -hmm. And lastly, a religious educational institution may lawfully refuse to provide goods, services or facilities for the celebration of a marriage. For example, churches, schools, this sort of thing. Yeah, a lot of schools often do have churches where the marriages take place, etc. So they can choose not to partake in the celebration of the marriage. Mm -hmm. As an expression of their religious freedom. Mm -hmm. And the bill originally stated that medical staff should have the right to refuse treatment to patients on religious grounds and make religious statements that could be considered discriminatory. And this has been removed. Um, There's a lot of issues in that clause, particularly if small towns only have access to one doctor and that doctor rejects treatment for a religious belief, um, obviously everyone has the right to access healthcare and that was the issue there. Yeah. It is a long and lengthy bill with many amendments and exemptions and if you've ever had to read legal discourse, you know it's not an easy thing to understand or navigate. So we've just provi- we've just provided a few of the key points. But basically in summary, the bill can be commended in some aspects for its protection of individual freedoms, but also debated in other aspects because sometimes it might privilege religious beliefs over other personal rights and beliefs. So that was all a while ago. Why is there so much talk about the bill at the moment? So like all bills, it has gone through many revisions and it needs to be agreed on before it is passed in the House of Representatives and then the Senate. It often takes many months, if not years, if the process is delayed, to pass bills and actually turn them into solid laws. So the most recent debate about the bill in Parliament has centred on the treatment of LGBTQ plus students in faith-based or religious schools. And this is quite a complex issue. And in order to enact these laws, we need to change our current Sex Discrimination Act, specifically Section 38.3, which previously gave religious schools the power to discriminate based on sexual orientation, gender identity, marital status or pregnancy. And on Wednesday the 9th of Feb, the House of Reps, which includes the leaders of both major parties, were up until 5am debating the Act. So there's definitely some discourse going on here. Um, The Liberal members wanted to change the law so that religious schools could no longer ban students based on their sexual orientation or preference, 
but it didn't include any protections for students who identified as transgender or non-binary. And this is where the whole trans rights call that you might have seen on social media has come from. Yes, and eventually, by the early hours of the morning, around 5am, the House of Reps had agreed to make the amendment to protect a wider number of LGBTQ plus students, and it passed the bill in order to protect those trans kids and non-binary kids. However, the Liberal Party has stated that it still doesn't agree with that amendment, and it might challenge it at a later time. Um, but they haven't decided to challenge that at the moment. And it seems like they have just shelved the bill for the time being because matters probably will not resolve anytime soon, particularly with a federal election on the cards later this year. And we all know with federal elections and election promises, there are deadlines, there are certain things that you want to be in the press and not want to be in the press. So I think the Liberal Party took the approach that, you know what, let's just put this on the shelf for now. We don't need it in the media in the lead up to the election. Let's see if we can revisit it after we win the election. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like the strategy. Um, and all of this was heavily shared around social media. Lots of people were posting stories to protect the rights of trans and non-binary people in Australia. And it was quite a heavy moment, really, really um, considering the recent backlash against several Christian schools in Queensland and New South Wales for producing policies regarding LGBTQ plus students that were a bit unsavoury. Yeah, and I think both of these events just sort of collided at the one time and it made the discussion a lot bigger. So one example was City Point Christian College in Brisbane. They were recently in the spotlight for having parents sign a pre-enrolment contract with anti-gay and anti-trans statements. Um, Specifically, the contract required parents and students to agree with certain gender roles and denounce homosexuality. Whilst the principal of City Point Christian College has, you know, apologised and they've withdrawn the statements in their pre-enrolment contracts, he still has declared that the school has the right to maintain its Catholic ethos and the freedom to continue to provide an education based on those beliefs. Mm -hmm. And similarly, Penrith Christian College in Sydney, which is a similar school in a different city, essentially, um, came under fire for a statement of faith issued to parents that listed adultery, same-sex attraction, transgender identity, and abusive relationships as examples of relationships and behaviours which are not acceptable to God. Yeah, and with that statement at Penrith, um, a lot of people were angered that they were equating abusive relationships with, you know, trans people or homosexual relationships. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of backlash. But you can already see in the statements provided by the principals of those schools that they're starting to use that religious discrimination rhetoric. And we're seeing how this bill can manifest into real life news stories that are impacting real life people and institutions. Mm. And in a country where 14 million people align with a religious belief, uh, we also have LGBT plus students who don't feel safe at school. In fact, a 2016 study, which is a little bit dated now, but I think we can still use the findings, um, found that 25% of the survey participants reported that they avoided their schools because they can't conform to the gender stereotypes within these contexts, including those in Christian schools. And you and I, as people who work in education with young people every day, know how important and literally life-saving it can be, number one, to validate gender and sexual identity, and number two, keep kids in school. 
Um, if they don't feel safe, they're not going to come. <laughs> yeah, and safety is always our number one concern. So how do we cater for everyone in this situation? Where is the line drawn between just expressing your religious belief and then that turning into a discriminatory action or statement? Um, and so schools and institutions like churches are really in the middle of all this. Mm. And it's a tricky one that boils down to this fundamental problem of big societies that you really can't cater to everyone. Like a position of compromise has to be taken and they just don't know how far along the line that compromise should be. All right. So where does that leave us now? What happens next? So there's been some calls by politicians, leaders, and even some religious groups to drop the bill entirely, considering what seems to be an ongoing list of complications and difficulties. Yeah, a few um, church groups have come out and said it's just not worth it anymore. If you're going to be stripping so much of our rights, it's just not worth having the bill whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And ScoMo has since stated that there would be a time and place to discuss further reforms for trans students. Um as well as LGBTQ plus teachers. But until then, like I said, the Liberal government has just sort of shelved this idea for the moment and will keep thinking of ways to implement this election promise because it was something that they discussed happening back in 2019 when they were elected to power. They do need to make it happen. It was a promise. Um, we just don't know when it will happen. Mm-hmm. And it's much more useful to have it up in the air as another election promise. <laughs> we mm, will do it this definitely. time. Um, yeah. The idea of regulating and cracking down on religious freedom brings up a lot of issues, um, including the fact that the tides seem to be turning in Australia. So between 2011 and 2016, the number of people who followed an assigned religion dropped by 7% and younger people are more likely to have no religious affiliation. The stats support this and probably most of your personal experiences support this too. Yeah, and our most recent census data doesn't come out until June of this year, and I predict that downward trend to continue, um, especially as older populations are dying out and, you know, we do have this younger generation coming forward. And like I said, with religious discrimination, it goes both ways. I think it's quite easy for us to sit here and attack religious institutions for their beliefs, but people are also attacking religious institutions for existing and Mm -hmm. you know there are people these are jobs these are still um, employers and ways of life for many people so many religious groups are concerned that religion is is being destroyed and that religious the and that the bill the religious discrimination bill is actually a step in the right direction to protect these people to protect their jobs and their livelihoods too Mm -hmm. and you're right there definitely is an element of threat just as there are to trans kids in schools um there is discrimination happening against religious people as well. We looked up some stats and the Executive Council of Australian Jury's annual report on anti-Semitism in Australia last year recorded a 35% increase in discriminatory incidents against Jews. And not to go into much depth about this, but this is actually closely related with conspiracy theories that have regained popularity over the past two years as well, which will link an episode in our notes of discussion further on that. Um, But yeah, there is a threat to religious groups as well. um, And that's totally valid too. Yeah. So it's a reciprocal threat. There's a threat to LGBTQ plus communities like there has been historically for a very long time. And there's a threat to religious groups like, for example, Jews, Christians, that there has been for a very long time as well. 
who have often historically, or in Australia as well, religious groups have enjoyed a position of power previously. So it's kind of like a bit of a change. Yeah, well, that's what I was about to say, because the fact that religion is becoming this kind of minority now is a big change for a country that was literally built on Christian values. And, you know, religion isn't formally recognised in our constitution. We are technically considered a, a secular country. But religion has always played a fundamental role in Australian society regardless. You know, you think about prior marriage laws before the Same-Sex Marriage Act, um, homosexuality laws in the 60s that banned that, um, public holidays that focus around Christian events. You know, religion has still played such an integral part to our society and, and how do we change society entirely now that religion is taking a bit of a step back here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's totally correct. And it's definitely also worth examining what value those Christian values give our country today and dividing up what's harmful and what's useful, which is kind of the point we're at now. Um, yeah. And of course, religion should be free to practice, but there's a tricky intersection with teenagers and children in that they're not necessarily practicing with their own agency. Um, and it might not align with their beliefs at all. You know, they're sent to these schools by their parents. They may or may not agree with the values. So, um, it's worth considering, yeah, that LGBT teens can be seriously endangered in the kind of school environments discussed above, or some might really flourish in these kind of environments and it's so hard to find a middle ground. And now it's time for our recommendations. Tan, what have you got for us today? I'm recommending one of our pod faves. Um, we do love this show. I'm recommending the episode of You Can't Ask That by the ABC with trans people and just exploring their experiences and lived realities a little bit further. Um, great show. Love this show. We have nothing to fault about that. this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the biggest fan of this show. Like I could watch it forever, really. Yeah. Um, Awesome. My recommendation is one of my favourite books ever. I've probably recommended it before, but whatever. Um, Sapiens. And oh, it's about... So yeah, good. So good. It's about so the history good. of humankind. I'm like reading the part at the moment about religion and how religion used to shape um, our worldview and how our whole psyche has changed transitioning out of religion in the way we see the world. And it's more philosophical um, rather than specific to this topic. But yeah, it's interesting to see how quickly our world has changed in so little time without religion. Yep. And Sapiens should just be required reading at this point. So even if you're not interested in that and you just want to read the book, highly recommend as well. It is. Yeah. If you listen to our podcast regularly and you haven't read it, um, come on. <laughs> Get I on the ball. Like, <laughs> I feel like our listeners could create a list of our favorite recommendations. Like they would know. Yeah, for it's sure. It's like Sapiens. There's a bit of conversation on there. There'd be, you can't ask that. <laughs> Probably the Guardian's um, Frontier Wars Massacre map yeah. we've used quite a bit. Our own podcasts, yeah. we usually recommend some of our old podcasts. <laughs> We're predictable, okay, but they're great resources. But you know what? You're just getting to know us a little bit better. Um, so we'll leave a link to all those recommendations in our show notes. All right, that's it from us today. Thanks for listening. We hope you didn't miss us too much and we're sorry that we abandoned you. We um, missed you. I any... know, oh, we did miss you. We're just busy. Sorry. <laughs> um, so let us know what you think about this episode. We're always interested to hear your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, follow us for more short, sweet and simple Aussie content on Instagram at Australia Explained Pod. All the info from this episode is in the show notes for you to check out as always. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you in a fortnight. Bye.
拜。